0: Welcome to The GEM Series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The GEM Series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, And discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that my name is blake chapman i'm the vice president of the ambassador program here at rocket level and i am thrilled to be your host for the gem series hello everybody and welcome to the gem series on today's episode i have an amazing guest it is kristen Aquino fam hi kristen how are you doing today
1: Hi, doing great. Thank
2: you.
0: Great, great. Um, For anybody that doesn't know Kristen, uh, Kristen is currently working in the legal world uh, doing business and immigration law uh, and has started up a startup in the past and additionally uh, is currently working to build a fully functioning working uh, farm on 40 acres um, amidst several other things. I guess that's kind of the thing that I'm really excited to talk to you about, Kristen, is you have consistently been adding on new things that you've been interested in and diving into so many different areas. Um, I'd love to turn it over to you to kind of tell the audience a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've got going on right now and and a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, That's a a very open-ended question. So um, I am a lawyer by training. I I should start with that. Um, and I currently work for a large law form, firm uh, representing companies in their immigration matters. And that's what I've been doing for the last, I've been practicing law for 10 years now. And um, and I have been um, in this field for 16 years. So um, that's my day job, as you say. But um, as Blake mentioned, I'm also starting up a farm. And the way that came to be is that you know, during the pandemic, some folks decided they wanted to get a pet. And mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to um, pursue my retirement dream a little bit early and um, buy some farmland. So I started out with um, just a little under two acres and used that as like my incubator to figure out what aspect of farming I liked the best, whether it was animal husbandry or producing uh, fruits and vegetables. And um and I learned a lot <laughs> in a very short period of time, which I'm sure you can imagine going from you know being a lawyer to being a farmer to very different um, types of jobs. Um, but I uh, I did keep my law job in you know, in the meantime, but I uh, treated the farm as you know, a sort of um, hobby, I guess, at first. And I decided that I really um, enjoy animal husbandry, so, Um, What I learned quickly is that the way to make money off of farming is to have, um, and especially off of livestock, is to have sufficient land um, so that you can sustain the livestock without having to buy too much supplemental grain or supplemental hay. Mm -hmm. And so um, I took the next step of buying 38 more acres of land. And, um, wow. we'll be working on building, we'll be <laughs> two working to 38. on building up, <laughs> two to 38, it's a big, big yeah. change. But I, mm-hmm. what I've learned is that cows and sheep, they need a lot of space. Otherwise you're going to be buying them food all the time. And so, um, and so I, you know, bought the other acreage and I'm working toward building, um, you know that side building the farm into a real business that will produce meat
0: that is so so cool Kristen I uh, my uh, my my wife well, I just got married three weeks ago, so I'm getting used to saying oh, it uh, congrats. she's a she's a farmer. thank you very much. Uh, she's oh. a farmer um, not not on you know that's a dream of of hers. so I was like, oh my gosh, I have such a rare opportunity to get at to ask Kristen all these different questions since you dove in head first about what it's like starting your own farm but I think that's so uh, exciting, and it sounds like something you've thought about for have you for a long time, and maybe been marinating on on this idea. You mentioned retirement uh, yeah. retirement plan too.
2: Yeah,
1: I always wanted to have a, a farm um, to visit and to go work on after I retired. Um, I mean, my idea was have a farmhouse that was sort of like run by other people that I could go mm-hmm. and pop in on weekends, and then maybe like. House like a little place in the city that I could go to when I felt like being there. I mean, that's, that was always the, you know, sort of my dream. And every, even when I was little, I liked to play um, farmer and I would like pretend that I was, you know, milking cows and things like that. I always thought it was so interesting. I think I really just like the self-sufficiency aspect of it. Um, I like to be able to produce my own food, my own, you know, um, you know, dairy and even, flowers you know if i can produce a flower and like make a beautiful flower bouquet out of it um that's always that's always been really intriguing to me and so i think the farming you know that has that kind of goes along with that retirement dream for me is that idea of being able to have a farm that produces things um things that people need right like yeah food you know people need food um absolutely so so yeah well i'm happy to talk i could talk about farming all day absolutely
0: incredible (laughs) no i think that's I think that's so cool, and you mentioned even growing up, you you still had this passion too. What was uh, yeah, what was growing up like for you? Did did anything you know what inspired you to get to the point where? Because a lot of people talk about taking on a passion project and uh, you know fulfilling a dream, but I guess what blows my mind is that you executed and you knocked it out relatively quickly once you got started. So. Um, yeah, what was it like growing up? Did you have any influences that kind of helped with that mindset at all?
2: Mm,
1: I would say, with well, so with farming in particular, not really. I mean, I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, like suburbs mm-hmm. of Atlanta, and I have no farmers, or I had no farmers in my family at the time, at least that I knew. I mean, my mom likes to garden, um, but the self sufficiency you know, has just always, I guess, been part of how I grew up. I mean, my parents were immigrants and I was, a, I was born kind of like accidentally, I guess I should say. Um, So my brothers were already out of the house when I was born. So I very much was kind of like left to my own devices a lot. Oh,
0: wow. So there's a big, a big, probably a big age gap there. Yeah.
1: Huge. Yeah. My brothers are (laughs) 17 and 12 years older than I am. And so when I was a child, you know, I was doing a lot of things on my own. And, and my parents, I think at that point, You know, and I'm a parent to three kids now, so I know how it feels. It's like by the time you get to that last one, you're kind of like, okay, just figure it out. And so that was definitely my life. Mm Let's just figure it out. (laughs) So I think that's where that driver towards self-sufficiency comes from. Yeah. Um, And then so, you know, when it comes to um, the execution, you know, like actually having an idea, but then going for it, um, you know, I, I would say. Partially, my parents instilled that in me, but also it's just sort of um I guess part of being left to your own devices as a kid is you're also like you know you're not really asking anyone for anything, and so if you want something to happen, you have to make it happen yourself mm-hmm. and um and so there was a lot of that for me growing up um and so I think the farm is definitely just another example, of course, you know, I have to I, I should say that I also wanted to be a lawyer when I was little, um so that, that was, was something that I actually that said. Too. And so I've done that, and you know, it's not. I'm um, fortunate in that that has provided the means to be able to execute on the farm dream, you know. And it's yeah. it's definitely not an easy path or one that like, you know, everyone necessarily even wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that for me has been um, a big help, is having that second that other career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I feel like it's just such an uh, it's something that I get really excited about because I know there's so many different dreams that I've had. But it gets me uh, really excited to think about you uh, holding on to these childhood dreams and executing on them and getting to the point where now you're a full time farmer and a full time lawyer. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty neat. I'm curious about the the legal side, too. Um, What was the thing that, you know, attracted to you, uh, attracted you to that as a as a kid, you think?
1: You know, I maybe a desire to make my parents proud. I mean, I think that's a very that's very inherent in my culture. You mm. know, getting the approval of your parents and yeah, doing something that makes that your parents can brag to their friends about. Mm. <laughs> I mean, and that's a very that's a very honest answer to that. So that might have yeah, been part of it. Yeah. But what I you know what I found as I've been practicing law this long is that I do like solving problems. Um, I'm definitely a problem solver. I have I have pretty high frustration and tolerance. So I like to, if there's a problem, I want to try to figure it out and nip it in the bud. And that is what lawyers do, you know, on a day-to-day basis is we're solving other people's problems or other, you know, businesses' problems. And so that's, you know, I think why it appealed to me um, and, and has kind of gone well with my um, skill set. And it's interesting because farming is also a lot of problem solving, um, and I've seen how they relate every
0: single day, probably. Yeah, <laughs>
1: every day, and it's—I mean—it's different kinds of problems. And honestly, I mean, they're just much more tangible problems, you know, sometimes than the ones that I solve as in the field of corporate law. But um, but it's the same sort of skill set, you know, of being able to identify what a root cause of the problem is. You know, for farming, it's like—is the fencing just not adequate for this type of animal? Whereas in mm-hmm. law, it's like, well, did we, you know, fill, not fill out the documents in a certain type of way that could have, you know, prevented this problem. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. You don't that think of the really two as being relevant to one another, but they have, they share some, some, some skills, um, yeah. farming and lawyering.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody who, came from a marketing background and then uh, wanted to be a nutritionist and wellness type, uh, you know She was saying something similar, which is that the skill set that you develop, even though it may not be as direct to where it's qu- quite literally telling you how to, I don't know uh, tend to tend to cattle or <laughs> or, or the, you know something like that, um, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of parallels that you know you can pull from other places and you know, I'd be curious, how about the other way around? Is there there anything from farming that that you bring back to being a lawyer now?
1: Yes, uh, I definitely am much more practical. I mean, I think farming, you know, it's very, it's practical, no nonsense. I mean, you just don't have time to um, dawdle on, you know, certain decisions, you know, because in farming, you're thinking about the animals living or dying, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're thinking about yeah. animals getting out and being at risk or even with your plants, you know, you're thinking about, um, you know, whether your plants are actually going to make it through the season. And so in a way, I think that is, that is has been a good thing is that I've brought become a lot more practical. However, I will sort of caveat that with, you know, one thing I've learned being in the corporate world for so many years is that it's not always practical. You know the things that sure. corporations are doing aren't always yeah. the most practical, um, and so I have I've I've had to try to and I'm still working on trying to temper that. Like I have to remember that you know sometimes the decisions in corporate settings are going to take longer, even and and but thankfully there's no you know lamb or sheep dying on the other side of the decision. Sure, so sure. It, 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 they can take a little longer, um, but I've definitely had to. I've definitely been working on trying to balance that. Um so so you know I think I do think though, um, I work with a tech company as my main client. And I will say that because in technology everything is so fast paced, that that sort of practical um, approach has is actually helpful. So that farmer approach, is helpful because things move so quickly with tech companies mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to dawdle on decisions. And I think there's more of a trend toward that, but it's more of a matter of getting like the internal law firms, you know, law firm or, you know, to sort of understand that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think it's kind of interesting because yeah, I think of almost uh, whenever you function, the way a farm functions is very it heavily relies on the way that nature functions. And, uh, nature cuts out anything that's excess to an extent. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I'd be curious, you know, maybe if that mindset ever, uh, trickles into whenever you're advising a client or anything like that, you know, um, I, I, I always, yeah, I love, I love thinking about, uh, how those connections happen too, you know?
1: Yeah, it does. It definitely trickles in. And I think, um, you know, some clients appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's. So, you know, sometimes when you're in lawyering, it's you know you 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 have to sort of have master the art of you know you know what the best advice is maybe, mm-hmm. or you know what the you know what the the advice is under the law. The client cares about what's best for their business, and then the 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 true art of practicing law is being able to communicate to them, you know what is best from a legal standpoint without disregarding what is best for their business. And then yeah. you know, sort of like so. If you need to tell them that, like, you know, like you said, the laws of nature will kind of cut out the excess. Similarly, in some ways, the law itself will sort of tell you what you can and can't do. Or sometimes we'll just yeah jump in and say, nope, you know, this is not going to work out, and it may not make any sense to you, but it's just not going to work out. But it's that art of being able to tell your clients, okay, this isn't going to work out, but we're going to look at these different options for you, um, and so. You know, that is uh, it's 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 up to the client, I think, to decide if they like that style, you know, yeah, sure. but it's a free that market. If they don't like that style of advising, they can always go to another lawyer, you know. That's that's
0: exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that is um, it's, it's definitely been really interesting over the past 18 months to see how I've evolved as a lawyer and as a farmer as a result of trying to juggle both at the same time.
0: How do you do that, by the way? Because you're a full-time mom, <laughs> you're you're a full-time lawyer, you're a full-time farmer. Plus, I I have a hunch that you're doing any number of other things. Uh, so, <laughs> how, yeah, how do you how do you do that?
1: Um, well, so I have a farm manager, um, who's amazing, who manages the, the farm. Because my farm is not in Atlanta; it's in L.A.J., So about mm-hmm. an hour and a half outside of Atlanta. And, um, you know, having a farm manager is really, I mean, that's the only way I could do it unless I lived there. Um, I don't live on the farm. And so, um, but it does, I mean, it costs money. I mean, Mm -hmm. being very practical, I mean, that is is probably, you know, half of my, what I can have as disposable income is going into that. um, Mm -hmm. That's a pain for for the farm manager. Um, But, you know, it's been a great experience for me to have um, that person. Well, I've had a a few of them actually, but the one I have now who is full-time, you know, he knows much more than I do about farming. And so in a lot of ways, he is my boss, and <laughs> he's telling me this is what we need to do with the pigs that keep getting out. You know, um, and so, and I, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I like, never
0: thought you'd be saying that sentence. A few I know, ago. no, yeah.
1: I've said so many sentences in the last eighteen months. I never thought I would say, <laughs> um, but he, he's been, you know, he, without him, I couldn't do this. And then, in his family mm. um, helps because they, he, they're all in L. J. And they all, um, you know, really run that farm for me. Um, and it's been, it's been wonderful. I mean, it definitely takes a level of humility,
2: mm-hmm. um, sure.
1: to go into something and be, you know, you know, I feel like I've done fine in my career as a lawyer, but then to be able to go in and say, I know nothing about this. And, you know, maybe I am paying this person, but that doesn't mean that this person, that, that I'm not the one who's actually deferring to this person, um, and it's been really good to have that. I think that, you know, a lot of times too, um, in the legal career, you know, we start to think, get kind of like, oh, we know what we're doing. You know, everyone should listen to us. We have our degree and our license and all these things. And we forget that there's still a lot that we don't know, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. I encounter a lot of people in the legal profession who get to who get stuck in that. And I um, I hate to see that because then they will, you know, disregard other types of people or other types of careers and they might pass up some really good opportunities because of that and um it's definitely been you know very humbling for me to be taught by someone else about something i know nothing about you know like i'm a child i often feel like a child when i talk to my (laughs) farm manager (laughs) um but that's how i balance the farm and then work of course you know is work and you know i think the I think that um, it'd be difficult to balance if I were a newer lawyer. I don't think I'd have been able to do the farm thing if I were still um, a a young lawyer, Um, but I'm not so young anymore. So I'm able to sort of, you know, um, I kind of know how to work efficiently um, Mm -hmm. and kind of focus on the things that really matter at work. and then um, with family, of course, family comes first. And the farm is an opportunity for all of us to work together. So my kids run the wow. egg selling business part of my farm. You know, they do farm tours. So cool. My husband um, builds; um, he's really good with woodwork, so he builds a lot of the stuff on the farm. And so, it really, is a family endeavor.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's that's really amazing. Finding a uh, finding something a passion that brings a whole family together to to get to work on it and. Are you going out to the farmers' markets and things like that yet?
1: Not yet, not yet. We um, so we're getting our license to sell eggs on June 23rd. So you actually have to take a class and um, pass this little egg handling test. Um, so then we'll be able to go out to farmers' markets. I don't know if we'll do that because that's not really going to be the focus. Um, to get to be, we want to sell meat. Um, so the focus, mm-hmm. uh, the the process for getting there is a little bit more intense. Um, And so we've got to, you know, keep keep working on building that. And that's another thing I was going to say is, you know, patience. This process has taught me a lot of patience. I mean, I know, um, you know, we someone, you know, get an idea in your head and you want it to happen immediately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to start, you want to execute it and you want to see immediate results. And that's just not, I mean, in farming, that's definitely not going (laughs) to happen. And in law, it's not... um, that definitely didn't happen right you want to become a lawyer you have to take the LSAT, and then you have to like apply to law school and then you have to get into law school and you have to take a bar exam I mean, it's all you know a process and i think having patience with the process is a good has been a really good lesson for me
2: um
0: yeah yeah no i can uh i can imagine i mean a lot of times with patience too i i, I see people do different ways to to find that patience uh some people are able to you know maybe. St- Stare into the void and just be like, I just got to go. I just got to keep moving forward. Uh, yeah. Some people do a little micro goals. Do you have any advice on how to, how you navigate, you know, getting to that next step? Or have you ever had like a, do you have certain ways that you do goal setting and things like that?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I do both of the. I've definitely stared into the void.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe that's kind of a silly way to put it, but I I guess you get what I mean by that. I
1: totally get what you mean. I've definitely (laughs) had my days where I've just, you know, um, in fact, the most recent experience I can think of with that was that I had a farm manager. My very first farm manager was wonderful. She had some family things that brought her back to Atlanta so she couldn't work on the farm anymore. And I definitely had a moment of just staring, you know, into the void and wondering how, you know, at that point I had maybe 12 animals and I was mm. like, how, who's going to take care of these 12 animals? Um, but um, I like to, I do like to write down goals. Um, I, I do believe in the power of writing things down. Um, only also because I might, you too, Okay. I was yeah. say my memory is also pretty terrible. I mean, it's gotten worse. I feel exponentially over the years, but I like to write things down. I do believe in micro goals. Um, so you know I and and it can be tough. I think the hardest thing for me with the micro goals. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I said about wanting your parents' approval. You know, my my mother is still is still alive, and she's excited about the farm, and she's like, "Well, when are you going to start? You know, doing this and this and it's like these big grand dreams, and mm-hmm. she, you know, and it's like, well, I today I just want to focus on getting through this one thing, yeah. on you know, these two things, yeah. and so it, it can be tough, you know, to, um, because sometimes you've got out, all this outside noise that can only see, you know, just a little bit of the picture, but you're you're in the weeds trying to get get to, you know, each point. And so, um, so I do think though, that there's like that personal sense of achievement, you know, when you do micro goals and you feel like, okay, I, I deposited a little bit mm-hmm. of like validation into my, my bank. And so I can move on to the next day. And so yeah. I, I do agree with doing that.
0: Absolutely. Have you ever wanted to give up in the process ever? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, you're doing- Yes.
1: I have. <laughs> Today, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. it, it just asked me which particular process. I mean, today was definitely a. I think I've, you know, it was like a definitely a. I don't know if I should be a lawyer kind of day, you know. Mm. But yes, um, you know, we have we have them. Um, I have definitely wanted to give up, and in fact, I have um, I have failed to be very honest. I tried to start two businesses. Prior to the farm um, tech startup, which I, I did co-found it with um, with someone, but, you know, I had to step out of that um, and and it still hasn't taken off, you know, um, and, it, and my, my former partner actually did a pivot. So now the, the original ideas that I had are not really even there anymore. Mm, and that doesn't yeah. feel terrific, you know, but at the same time, I know that I learned a lot in that process and now I, I learned what not to do. Um and and then yeah. prior to that, same thing. I tried to start something on my own. It didn't work out. Um luckily I had a lot to fall back on, you know, in both situations. Mm-hmm. But sure. you know, it is it's really tough to keep going after that. I think that's why the micro goals are important because then, you know, like I said, sometimes you just need a win, you know? And so
0: absolutely
1: if we keep getting L's, then we just start getting bogged down. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, and you know, I think it's all perspective too, because a lot of people, you know, if, if we were just more willing to, to own our places where we're like, Hey, this didn't work out the way that I had envisioned it, but I learned so much. I think that would give everybody a lot of confidence to be able to, you know, not beat themselves up so much. Um, yeah. So okay. I, uh, yeah.
1: it is um it's tough you know i spoke to a um some elementary schoolers a couple weeks ago about um well they'd asked me to come in to talk it was for career day and i was like "Well, which career so but we ended up talking about just entrepreneurship in general and um and a little bit about law and it was interesting because like half the class classes you know half the students were interested in law and half the students were interested in asking questions Mm -hmm. about farms
2: Oh, really? um, That's cool. Yeah,
1: it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And then they would say very astute things. You know, they'd say, "Well, don't you make more money as a lawyer than as a farmer?" You know, <laughs> and these are like mm-hmm. third graders. But one of the things that I did make sure to say was about you know failure, because I think it it becomes such a taboo word, and then people get so afraid of it, then they don't end up taking you know risks, even small ones, because they're so afraid of failure, and You know, I think you're right. If we can just like look at it at a failure as an opportunity to learn things and to do better the next time, then it wouldn't, you know, people might not, people might be more willing to step out and try things.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I think that's so great that you spoke to them about that, by the way. That's really, really, uh, that's very cool. Um, And, you know, for me, I just feel like I, I just realized a while ago. You know, I was lucky uh, talking to a, a mentor and, and helping me realize that if you don't fail, then you're probably not pushing your threshold either, you know? Uh, <laughs> and you. yeah, yeah. To do something, especially like what you're doing, you know, and and diving into so many different arenas, um, what were some of the kind of takeaways that you got whenever you, you know, tried to start your own thing and, you know, went into the, went into the next? Because I'm sure it informed so much, so many other things and everything sort of this you know, bunny trail effect where you bounce around and it gives you all these new ideas. Yeah, what what were some of your takeaways? You think?
1: Um, I think the number one for the two endeavors that you know didn't didn't turn out the way I planned, um, and those I actually did quit my day job in order to pursue them. And so I think that that, like I said earlier, patience kind of it it sort of reminded me that I have to be patient. Um, it's tough though, because, you know, even with the farm, you know, there's so much that I want to do. And
0: mm-hmm, then I know sure. that if
1: I didn't have another full-time job, I'd probably be able to move forward with, but then, you know, I just have to, I think I've learned and, and this is, I'm not saying this is true of everyone. It's more true for me because I also have financial obligations to my family. You know, I have mm-hmm, three kids yeah. and, and my husband is an entrepreneur. And so, you know, I, uh, What I learned, though, is that I need to, you know, sort of first and foremost, um, think about the financial stability of my family. Um, And so that exercising patience and knowing when to make the jump from corporate to owning my own business um, is something that I've learned from those two experiences. And then the second is um, listening, I think, more to your team. So um, the businesses I tried to start, you know, I I went into and I was like, I'm full of ideas and I just want to share them with the world. Sure, and yeah. I think if I'd had more, and, and it's not bad to be full of ideas, but I think um, in hindsight, you know, if I had just maybe taken a little more time to say, well, what do you think, you know, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, I could have gleaned some different ideas. And so I think the farming the farming thing has been really good because I go in knowing nothing.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's almost
1: like I'm just a baby and I'm going yeah. in knowing nothing. All I know is that I have a little bit of, you know, capital and I've got ideas, but I don't know anything or whether my ideas will work. And so I there's something very very um like liberating about that to go in as a blank slate and to be willing to just accept new knowledge.
0: Yeah, it's cuz it's so it's so vulnerable, and it's uh, such a place where I feel like you'd have the opportunity to consider perspectives you never would have encountered uh, in your entire life otherwise.
1: One thousand percent. I mean, it's really. I mean, even just from a like, you know, I grew up in Metro Atlanta. I've got, you know, I, I did the whole, you know, school college thing in Metro Atlanta in the city and farming has brought me to areas of Georgia that I would never have gone to it's put me in you know great conversations with people that I might never have met mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of value in that um and so i you know i feel like that's that hasn't just made me you know just a better business owner it's real it's made me a better lawyer as well i think in the sense that i you know you know empathy i think is one thing that um now you know a lot of law schools are trying to figure out how to to instill that in in future lawyers, and I think that that is something that that this whole farming experience has sort of you know honed inside of me is that ability to to see the commonalities in other people and to empathize to to just get along with them. Um, so yeah, it's been really it's been a really nice experience to, yeah. to have that. So I'm happy for the failures hoping this third time is a charm and hey. it doesn't fail
0: <laughs> you know i think it i it sounds like it's it's going to be great from two acres to now you're at 40 acres i uh next time it'll be another 100 acres <laughs> i'm excited <laughs> well, we'll to see, see. <laughs>
2: Have,
0: uh, what's ha, what's the craziest thing that you've encountered on the farm so far is any anything uh anything uh, <laughs> super super bizarre that you've dealt with out there <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, I just, um, uh, there's so many, um, let's see. <laughs> well, the most recent thing. Is, so I've, um, I've decided that one of the types of meat that I'd like to focus on is pork. Um, and just to, I'm going to give my farm a little bit of a plug. We're not ready to start selling meat yet, but I'm very committed to raising, uh, pigs on pasture and, wow. you know, yeah. not locking them up in some kind of like, you know, some kind of housing, some kind of shelter, and then putting the sows in in a farrowing cage where they live and can't even turn around. I mean, that's what commercial farming is like, right? It's depressing. Very depressing. I mean, for me, it doesn't fit my values. Um, So, you know, I'm very committed to raising pigs on pasture, and I've learned so much about pigs in the last 18 months, and finally have my breeding, the the breeds that I want, and sort of like my breeding um, pairs. And I got this beautiful 500 pound boar. And um, he is, he's wonderful. He's a full-bred he's Hampshire boar, which is like good for making bacon. Um, he would be our, you know, like our, our herd sire. So he'd be like the head of that, that breed and we'd never mm-hmm. process him. But, uh, you know, definitely have underestimated how smart pigs are. And we had mm-hmm. him in this pen And he um, he was able to. It was all locked up. It was hog panels, which are like stronger. They're made to keep hogs in. Well, he went under the gate, lifted it up, and removed himself from the pen. (laughs) Let out the sow who um, and his he has one child pig. That's his 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 child. They all got out, and then proceeded to let out the goats and the cows.
2: Oh, are you serious?
1: Yes. Um and not and the and two bunnies. <laughs> so um oh I'm I i was not there, but um thankful I mean I wasn't there, but I'm getting calls <laughs> and my office, and people are, you know, my farm manager's like, the this the pig got out, you know, he's a 500 pounds boy, he's about two and a half feet tall.
2: Huge. Oh my gosh. And yeah, he got massive. out
1: and then the sow was standing in the middle of the street. And so anyway, in the middle of my day in my office, I'm kind of also fielding calls about that. And um, so that was, you know, those are things that I never really imagined I would deal with. But then it was kind of like, you know, it's not really that different. We have problems, you know, in law. Oh, <laughs> I feel yeah, like we have right? very similar, yeah. Yeah. similar, yeah. <laughs> not related to animals, but, you know, just just things that just feel like you can't, you can't believe that this is happening. And
0: you're like, are like, know. I have so little control over this right now. There's yes. like so much going on. That's yes. that's uh that's pretty incredible. I I never would thought would think that a, a pig and he was like going full animal liberation mode on you. you full. Know. Uh, <laughs> I don't
1: even know how to let the cows out. I mean, it was just it was just crazy. But you know, that's, they're 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 really intelligent animals, very emotional. Um, and that's why, you know, some people will say to me, how do you feel? How can you, you know, butcher your own animals that you've got mm-hmm. to know? And I said, actually, I feel like I'm doing a good service toward them because I treat them well in life. I respect them. Yeah. I want to make sure they have the best life possible. And I recognize that in the circle of life, you know, this is just how, at least if you eat meat, you know, this is how it is, but at least I have control over how it's done and how they're raised. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's that's really important to me. So I have a lot of respect for pigs. They are, they are pretty, they are very crafty animals.
0: Yeah, they really are. Um, no, that's, that's really cool. And it sounds like you're doing it in a way that's so sustainable and, um, you know, giving, giving them a shot at, at, uh, you know, having a, you just want, you want the animals to have a happy life. And, um, you know, that's something my, uh, yeah, my, my, my wife is always always uh, researching and looking into some of the farms that have some of the best practices out there and it's really neat to see what people are doing um uh, in terms of like i don't know just taking this whole uh, more natural way of living for animals and recognizing the real circle of life how that would how that would work you know yeah um, oh yeah heard of white oak, oh sorry go white ahead oak
1: pastures Yeah. In Boston. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, I would. That is definitely their goals for me. White Oak yeah. Pasture. Um, I mean, that they, I think they have like hundred and seventy-six or two hundred something acres. So, mm-hmm. but but they are totally about sustainable farming, regenerative, um, mm-hmm. giving putting pigs on pasture, like giving you know um, being all natural, not pumping animals full of chemicals to make them grow
0: you know, unnaturally
1: fast, things like that. And I, I appreciate that a lot.
0: Pretty cool. Yeah. So you're talking about fielding calls in the office too. Um, Are your colleagues pretty supportive of you and, or do you, do you, do you share that part of, or do you kind of keep it church and state kind of (laughs) situation?
1: I share it with them. I, I think, I, I guess, I, and I don't know if this is a, you know, I say this now and maybe after I finish this, I'll get off and HR will call me and <laughs> say something, but I, I tend to not um, hide who I am at work in yeah. the corporate setting. Um, I spent, you know, the first five, six, seven, eight years of my career as a lawyer trying to mold myself to be what a law firm wanted me to be, um, trying to be, you know. Um, just you know not cause trouble trying to overachieve and I have found that that doesn't always lead to anything
2: mm-hmm. um, good yeah.
1: <laughs> and so now I've you know decided that you know farming is part of me and I've told my, my boss that you know someday I will be a full-time farmer um, and I've you know tried to put pieces into place to move toward that um, I know it won't happen now, and but I, you know, I, you know, they understand that as long as I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can to get the work done. Um, that you know, there that I'm going to have this farm, and then yeah. I'm going to keep on working toward it. So my colleagues yes. are really supportive. Um, as long as I'm not putting more work on them to do it, I think that they are they're fine with it. You know, some of them think it's interesting, or they ask a lot of questions, or they just think I'm weird. Which is fine
0: <laughs> so, yeah i can I can do with that too,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've kind of gotten to the point where it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know I, yeah I um I don't know, I feel like we spend a lot of time um trying to turn ourselves into something else, you know for the benefit of some organization or some corporation,
2: and yeah
1: i don't I don't know why, <laughs> so I hope that you know, as we build a farm and I'm able to build my own business, I'd like to incorporate into my business that you know you should be yourself, you should bring your best self to work and be your best self or be your authentic self at work, you know, and then really like have that, not just say it, but really mm-hmm. have that in the organization,
0: absolutely, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you really uh have consistently bet on yourself uh you know with that like what's your what's your I guess mindset or I because I, I guess what I'm thinking about right is people that never get out of that realization or they never find that realization that hey I can try to mold myself all I want but at the end of the day it doesn't really lead to anything anything better for me necessarily and probably the best you know this is going to be like a after school special here, but the best, the best version of yourself you can bring is your exact self, who you are, you know? So yeah. What, what do you think has always propelled or led you to kind of bet on yourself? You think?
1: Hmm. Um, I think having a supportive like, village of people around, I've become, and not just like, like people who always say yes, like I don't mm-hmm. want yes people. I mean, people who really care about um, my, you know, my growth as a person, um, and who give me constructive feedback, and who like really take time to give me like thoughtful um, guidance. I think that has helped a lot. Um, because, and then I think I've also, you know, as you get older, hopefully, you know, you start to um, identify who's not going to do that for you and you kind of cut start to cut that out um and so that has that has sort of given me the confidence to to bet on myself and and um you know I also think that you know having I'm very like involved obviously with my family and then with my community and sort of having that sense that like there's a you're part of a community and that community relies on you to be a productive part of it you know when, and the same with my family, right? My family relies on me to be a protected part of my family, and having that um, accountability,
2: I think yeah.
1: it kind of forces you to to you're, you become accountable to others, but you also become become accountable to you. And so, I recognize that, like, I'm trying to think of it, like, so for example, with the farm, a lot of my disposable income is going into this, and I have yeah. to continue you know, putting into it, even if it's not easy, which it isn't, um, continue putting into it and trying to build it because now I recognize that whatever I've taken, you know, financially from my family really is going back into this farm. And so I'm, I'm betting on myself, which means and I'm betting on this farm and I'm and I'm, you know, maybe sacrificing a little bit of what could be given to my children. And when you look at it that way, then you think I have to go forward with this. You know, and then I also have to know when when not to go forward. But, you know, that I think that sense of accountability helps a lot for me. Um,
0: No, that's I think that's that makes so much sense, you know, a healthy sense of accountability because it just changes the perspective and uh, allows you to 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 look at it from a from a a viewpoint where you're going to be like, uh, you know, the stakes are the stakes are big. You know, and, and let's, uh, you know, and, and there's no reason for me to, there's, there's no, there's no reason for me not to, you know, not to thrive when I look at the, when I look at, you know, exactly uh, what I have got going on right now. I don't know. It it gets me, I, I always get so excited thinking about um, holding yourself to a higher standard like that, because I think yeah. that it just, you know, it, it's something that can uh, bring about a lot of really amazing change. You also talked a lot about community um, and that's something that obviously I think is so special. So it sounds like you have a pretty good group of peers around you that you can rely on and, and talk to.
1: I do, I do. I You know, I think one of my my favorite things to say is that, you know, I had a choice whether I wanted to come back to Atlanta to practice law or go elsewhere. Sorry about that. Um, And so I um, came back to Atlanta, and I'm so glad that I did because I have a community here, Um, and you know the legal community, especially the Asian legal community, has been really wonderful and close knit. Some of my best, you know, my best friends are in that, and then. You know some of the places that i've worked i'm still in contact with you know paralegals that have worked for me i still you know are now lawyers who are far exceeding anything that i've ever done wow. and i still talk to them you know and it's That's just,
2: incredible
1: um it is it's really i feel fortunate to still have those connections um and now this farming community you know i've kind of started to find friends in the farming community and but then you know the community as a whole um you know, I've been involved in like community service work and um, set on boards and all these things. And you know, I feel like once you start putting yourself out there like that, you know, it creates that sense of accountability, right? Because you're actually mm-hmm. now you you're in it and you've committed yeah. to being in it. And so now you feel like you know, you have to, that you've like already, you know, you're sort of have to do it, not in a in a bad way, but in a way that says, Okay these people are betting on me and they're relying on me. And so I need to bet on myself. And and so it's just, you know, and I wouldn't, I do want to say though, that there's a balance, you know, um, have you seen the movie Encanto?
0: (laughs) I no, I have not. No. Okay.
1: Well, there's a song in there. (laughs) Sorry if I'm like going off on a tangent, but there's a song in there called, it's about uh, one of the sisters has a power of like extra strength. Anyway, she, She has a song called Service Pressure, and she talks about how she's always, you know, she's always under so much pressure, even because she's the strongest sister. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that there's a balance to strike there, which is just because, you know, it is great to hold yourself to a higher standard. Great to be to feel accountable. But it's also good to be kind to yourself. Right. And understand um, that you can't sometimes you're going to fall short. Sometimes you're going to need help. Um, Mm -hmm. Often you're going to need help. But you know, I think that it all kind of comes together because what I found is that when the the people who, you know, who I feel accountable to, you know, when I go to them and I say, you know what, I actually really need help right now. I'm kind of struggling right now. It's not that they then turn their backs. are like, oh, you know, Kristen is weak. I don't want to yeah. talk to her anymore. It's actually quite the opposite. They fill you. Mm-hmm. You know, they fill your cup back up when it's empty. And so you know, and I think a lot of um, I've met people who don't realize that, you know, getting, having a village, you know, isn't just like a, you have to present yourself as like always the person who's strong and who's winning and winning all the time. Like they actually do appreciate when you are, or they're there for you and they can help you when you are actually not winning. Um, And so, you know, I think that's really, that's really important to me. And that's why community is so important to me because they really filled me up in times when i've been running on empty.
0: Absolutely. So, no, that's i think that's uh so incredible uh and also something that i rely on so much too. Um completely. in the sense of yeah, absolutely. I mean, i i just think about what life would be like without that and i mean, you know, when you try to figure out the meaning to life or whatever, that's probably one of the biggest reasons to, you know, to me to (laughs) exist, you know, is getting to, getting to, you know, not only support others, but then, you know, know that there's uh, somebody that's there that, you know, it will at the drop of a hat, help you out. If you say anything, you know, it's really, it's really pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Um, But, you know, I, I, I think that, I think that for you, I something that I just want to say is you do so much. I, I think you even just mentioned you do volunteer work as well. And um you're <laughs> just from this conversation, you're extremely humble about it all. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty cool that you've done so much, uh, so much in your life and, and gone down so many, so many different different avenues. What would you say is maybe your I guess favorite part of what you do right now I know that's kind of a big a big question, but <laughs> is there is there anything that stands out even in the top the top three things and maybe more specifically what's your favorite uh, yeah what's your favorite reason for being in the legal world you think in legal yeah that too um,
1: mm-hmm. okay um, so legal my favorite thing still is to this day um,
2: collaboration with really innovative and open-minded people
1: mm. um, I I get to do that especially with the particular um, technology with technology clients um, because they you know that's what they do right they innovate and that's still one of my favorite things you know trying to find ways to address inefficiencies um, but then it's just that it's that that Sort of that energy that you get in a room when people are—they're like, okay, we have a problem. We're going to tackle it together. Mm-hmm. And I—I I do work best in situations where people are coming together, like in a war room. And then they're like, okay, what's our problem? Let's like have a whiteboard session and sketch out. You know, that—that's that's the way that I work best. So
0: you thrive um, under the... high pressure scenarios.
1: Definitely, <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely. Um, which is why both, I guess, farming and lawyering are good 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 matches for me. Yeah. Um and then on the farming side, I mean I you need know, specifically ask about legal, but on the farming side, I mean my favorite to date is when something is born, when animals are born. So we just had our first litter of piglets wow. born on the farm. Um we had nine. Oh
2: my um, gosh.
1: And yes, they're they, they belong to the big pig that escaped. <laughs> <laughs> but um, nine healthy piglets and you know, we've had chicks born on the farm. Um puppies, um lambs, wow. baby goats, um, and that has that just never gets old,
0: you know no. that
1: that no. that that feeling that life is being created there. and you know, of course, then there's the anxiety of making sure that they stay alive, mm-hmm. but sure. that that will never ever get old to me. Um, and I think you know it's it almost like rejuvenates me when it happens. um so. So I would say that's my, you know, those are my two sort of favorite things with respect to the two careers, I guess I'm, I'm doubling right now.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I, I I can't even imagine being a part of seeing so much new life born around you. I think that would be, uh, yeah, really special. Um, you know, and I think something that I was, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I hear this too, I, I'm going to bring it back again. You know, what would you, yeah, I guess, what would you tell to somebody who's curious about doing life sort of the way that (laughs) that you do is there any kind of insights you could give to somebody
1: yeah I would say I would say that it's important to see opportunity in places where you wouldn't normally think it's there so um you know I have so many examples of this in my life and you know I I mean sometimes I'm like maybe you know is it luck or is it just perspective, like I saw it as an opportunity, um, whereas someone else might have not even seen it as anything, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I, um, I do think that trying to look at, you know, whatever happens to you on a daily basis as a particular opportunity, it can be really helpful. So I guess um, if I can just give it like the most recent example of that um, would be the additional 38 acres that we are, um, that's part of the farm. You know, the the reason so I ended up getting a lot more out of that transaction than I expected. Um, and the reason that I did was just because I happened to get stuck in a truck in the pasture with the owners of the land and they I got stuck with them for about an hour and a half. And, you know, spent that time, you know, I didn't want to leave them because they were a little older and I didn't want to leave them alone in the past, you know, in this truck in the middle of the pasture. So I waited with them till a tow truck could get there. Um, there was no tractor nearby that could pull them out. So I um, and I ended up spending a lot of time with them and talking to them. And they had always dreamt of turning that land, which had been passed down through their family. They always dreamt of turning it into a farm. But. Their kids didn't want to and you know mm-hmm. they weren't the grandkids didn't want to and and they couldn't do it anymore and so it turned out working out really well for me because that's what that you know that that's exactly what i wanted to do
2: yeah and so yeah.
1: you know wow. um i know it's very and it, you wouldn't that's, think that would happen right like so yeah. it's so it seems so lucky and it's not like they just gave me the land or anything like that like you know but it sure, was sure. it was just that you know as a the um you know, in that conversation, you know, when I was talking to them, it's just that, you know, well, I, it wasn't that I was in there and I was like, well, let me see if I can try to squeeze some goodwill out of these folks so that they'll sell me their land. I mean, I was already oh. looking to buying it, yeah. but it was that opportunity to spend some time with some people who I probably would not have met otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And to try to find things that we have in common and to, to ask them what their dreams are or what their goals are, or what they're up to in their own lives. And I think all of that you know, it became, itself became an opportunity. And so, you know, I think a lot of times folks might miss opportunities. And I tell this to my husband all the time because he's not quite as, um, he doesn't wear the same rose-colored glasses that I do all the time. But he, yeah. you know, I always say, you know, this was an opportunity. Like, you know, maybe go for it. And you hear this a lot, but what's the worst that can happen? Someone says no, you know, and then you move on. That's <laughs> yeah, no, not yeah. a terrible word. no. <laughs> so.
0: No, absolutely. No, I like that you said the rose-colored uh, rose-colored glasses, I think is what you said. And just, you know, I, I think of, uh, soci- you know, in sociology, you can have, they call it the sociological lens, which is essentially looking through the world through the viewpoint of, you know, recognizing that there's different structures that uh, make up the way society functions and all that. But I think that applies to really anything and especially with opportunity. And when you have a mindset that, is able to view uh opportunity and and be open minded. It it is kind of like wearing a set of lenses, having some sort of lens in front of you and uh it 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 opens up a lot of doors. So I know I love I love that.
1: <laughs> it's very it's been it's been really helpful to me and you know um I think like even if it because I recognize and we're all built differently, right? Um but you know, I'll tell some of my mentees this like
0: maybe you know
1: because they'll say i don't want you know i don't i'm not good at networking i'm shy i don't you know like to just talk to just all these people about like you know random things and small talk you know which i get you know not everybody likes that but then it's like okay well then go into it like this way like look at your think about who's going to be there See if you can, you know, a lot lot of times you can get a guest list or something, Mm -hmm. get a sense of who's sponsoring and who might be there and then make it very targeted and almost approach it like a, you know, like an experiment, like a science experiment or something where you are, you've got a very specific um, question or um, goal, you know, question that you need to get answered or goal that you need to attain and then um, go into it that way with a, you know, and keep it sort of like micro level so that you don't feel like you have to go in and shake every hand in the room. And that makes it a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more doable for some folks. And, and so, you know, when I tell them that and I think that helps. And so, you know, that's kind of the way I approach things is, you know, I don't, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to attend something, I'm not necessarily going to think, Oh, if I attend this, then someone is going to buy my startup. You know, it's not usually that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens to some people that certainly never happens to me. But yeah, it's more like if yeah. I attend this, I might meet somebody who maybe will know somebody later who might buy my startup or something even more removed than that so um Ab- but yeah absolutely. that's been that's been my that's been my greatest lesson so far I think is opportunity is everywhere
0: yeah that is a that is a, a great lesson it also just makes life a little more exciting, I think right <laughs> doesn't it?
1: <laughs> Doesn't it? I agree. I agree. I think if you go into each day because they start to all run together, you know, I feel like eventually. But if you go into each one thing, there is an opportunity for something to happen today, then you know, it can it can make it a little bit easier to get out of bed when the alarm goes off.
0: Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Kristen, I, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you. I really appreciate you sharing so much of this with everybody and with me. It's great.
1: No problem at all. And I hope um, that you and your wife can come visit the farm.
0: I, I would love to. I would love to. I was about to invite myself. So thank you. I, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would love to come check it out. Is there anything that, that you'd like to, to plug or announce to anybody? And, you know, I'd love to share that with the audience, too.
2: Um,
1: not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I will say that, you know, like I said, on the farming side, we'll be making uh, meat, uh, meat products but it's going to be a little bit of a process. So just just keep an eye out um, and you know, when there's an announcement to make, we'll definitely make it.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, mm-hmm. hey, thanks, Kristen. It was great to, great to chat with you.
1: Thank you, you too. <laughs> thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Gem Series, the podcast for anybody dedicated to investing in themselves. If you'd like to see the resources mentioned in this episode, learn more about what we were up to at rocket level, or come over and join our team, just click on the links below. Until next time, this is Blake Chapman, and remember to be awesome and do awesome things.